0: Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Cabalcast. Um, we've got a few interesting things that have happened this week uh, that we want to dive into. One of the things we want to talk about is a new, what we call bubble format, um, that's going to be releasing this week, uh, called Middle School. Um, you may have heard of Pre Modern, you've heard of Old School, you've heard of 93, 94, um, so this is kind of along the lines of those. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jason's got something about buy price decreases going across all of the major buy lists, and um, if anybody pays any close attention to the stock market, Hasbro earnings are down. The entire stock market's down. Um, so that's been an interesting development this week. And um, so Hasbro has kind of addressed that in a short video that we'll talk about. And then there's uh, been some GPs, SCGs, things like that um, that have been gone for standard and modern that are affecting prices and, and spiking some cards and showing some results. And so we want to go over that as well. So we'll dive right into it, starting off with the uh, with the bubble format middle school. And if, uh, if Peter, Jason want to jump in on that. Go
1: for it. Uh, personally, I I love formats like this. I love bubble formats. I think they're great. I think they're a wonderful opportunity. I love the intro statement that they made, which was something like, if you're an investor, please copulate yourself right now. Like, I thought that was great. Uh, I like that every version is legal because it makes it more accessible. But I think... If this does take off, you're going to see cards like Recurring Nightmare, Survival of the Fittest, stuff that's actually on the reserve list that's legal in that format. Like Rexer is legal in middle school. How?
2: Yeah.
1: In what world is that okay? Like, I don't care because I could potentially see it affecting the prices. Um, I know you guys don't necessarily agree with that. You think bubble formats are stupid. You wish they would stop. But I'm all for exploiting a market while it's there. So if this does take off, and personally, I'm totally building land still. uh, Because the format looks sweet. Damage uses the stack, and there's mana burn. It's everything I loved about playing when I was in middle school. Yeah. So So I I think it's great.
0: I don't mind the short-term spikes looking into that kind of stuff, trying to figure that out. That's fine. I just don't like it from a perspective of being a noob, and everyone in Magic that I associate with is a lot of young players, because of my buddy that runs um, high school magic club and things like that. and so they couldn't give a shit about this, but like the next generation yeah. of magic players. like they want to know about the new sets. they want to know about the new cards. They all want to play commander. That's all they want to play all the time. They like the multiplayer. they like getting together doing that stuff. They don't even know these cards exist. They don't know this format exists. They never will. They'll never care about it. And so I feel like all these bubble formats, the old school, the middle school, the pre-modern, like, only players that are very enfranchised now will ever play it they will never get new blood into these and that's fine it's just whoever cares about it this moment are going to be the only people that ever care about it it's not going like six months from now no one's going to find this article on middle school that started playing magic a year and a half ago and be like oh man cards from 1996 that I didn't know existed and are weird and the rules don't make any sense to me I can't wait to play that you know so it just from a perspective of being relatively new to the game, like I don't have any nostalgia for those days, um, and and nobody that's that's starting to play Magic now or within the last three or four years cares about those at all. And so I just think that they're they're naturally prohibitive to to new people coming in and learning the game, and so it's just it's always going to reach a really small audience. And so I just don't believe in a lot of the prices long term. They're fine short term, people will get excited about it short term, but long term I just don't believe in any of it at all. So I think it's a pump and dump. Type of thing for me personally.
2: Yeah, uh, I I like the idea of the format because it's a nostalgia-based format. It encompasses uh, extended prior to onslaughts release, where you had decks yeah. like counter slivers with aluren and all the dual lands, and then after onslaughts release, where they basically just removed the dual lands that were evergreen and extended and. This was that field, uh, so it allows people playing in from like two thousand to two thousand three play a format that was really vibrant. But outside of those people, I can't imagine a lot of other new players coming into this format and actually wanting to take part in this. So I'm kind of at odds with it, like. One of my favorite decks of all time exists in this format, and whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Um, financially, it doesn't; it makes no difference. Red White Slide, to me, is the oh, favorite deck. But yeah. no, no cards from that deck are on the reserve list. But another deck that I played that I love, Aluren, sure has cards on the reserve list. So yeah. that will affect me if this format takes off. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's, I think. It has
1: a longevity, though, because old school exists, and it's been driving, I mean, a full set of power from IECE is, what, 5K now?
2: I think so, yeah. Uh, there's that, what was it, the Beats inked Ruby for, like, 1500 or something? Yeah. Like, yeah, those, those prices are are going crazy, and if this format holds and picks up a little bit of popularity the same kind of way that um, what is it? The other version of this format, pre-modern. The pre-modern.
1: Yes, yeah, where force is banned.
2: Yeah, well, we might see a little traction. I mean, this is the U.S. version of pre-modern. Yeah. You know, same thing. I'm excited to see how it works at Eternal Weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm hoping. I mean, I know it's short and rote, but I'm really hoping that it actually performs well there, and that you see. Even just like an eight man event fire, I'd be happy with. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've had Frontier. uh, Popper was basically a bubble for a little bit and then disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, I mean, Brawl. Yeah. Immortal Sun was 25, 30 bucks for a non foil because of Brawl. And now it's. No, it's nothing for a week.
0: Brawl lasted a week.
1: Yeah.
2: It's officially
0: gone from Moto. I just. To me, yeah. to me, all these formats are the bourgeoisie of magic, and I just don't see the wide and long-term appeal of them.
1: Yeah, but you don't, you don't like migos. You're not bad and bougie. What's wrong with you?
0: No, I am. But I, don't see, <laughs> I just don't see the the wide the wide appeal to the new masses coming in, the new players, the new blood. Sure. Yeah. Like it to me, these formats are just always gonna be limited in their players, and as soon as any of those players start leaving, no new players are coming in
2: yeah uh,
1: that's
0: fair <clears throat> so but it, you guys you guys have the nostalgia for it y'all are talking about decks i don't know exist and you know um so so that's just my perspective from yeah only haven't played for like yeah, a couple years
2: i get that and i think this format might make a nice place for people to play who want to get into legacy but are afraid of legacy the like sure force of will still exists in this format and and it is an expensive card but there are are a handful of legacy decks that exist in this format that you can basically play before you have to dedicate to buying all the high-end legacy cards. Yeah, learn as well isn't of that those what burn
0: exists for? Yeah, in every format.
2: Oh well, you have goblins here, and you have I think you do have goblins. Um, you have some really janky elf cards to play. You yeah. don't have skull elves? clamp yet.
1: Yeah, you don't have skull clamp, but you, you get have... elves with yeah. cradle.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking at right. recurring nightmares and bands, so you can play like a Nick Fit style deck that's just green-black value. Like those kind of decks will exist, and people can buy in. Nick Fit people, man. They're, They're the best. They are <laughs> an interesting breed. Reading those tournament reports is it's great. Amazing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it gives people this area to play in that doesn't currently exist and might move some players into legacy. I don't know if this format is going to be one that holds a player base of a constant number of players that we'll see funnel in from standard to modern to, uh, middle school school. legacy. Yeah. But there exists that kind of walk down opportunity.
1: Yeah. The pipeline's there. It's just whether or not it actually gets used. Yeah. Um, yeah. So buy price decrease, so, yeah, paying attention opinion. to buy lists over the last six, eight months. Uh, for a while there, Card Kingdom and Abu were at war with each other on who could have the best old school buy, li- buy prices. Yes. Uh, and I noticed about a month ago, and I actually mentioned it in our Discord. Hey, look at Abu's credit bump. And they tanked all of their cash buy prices on like old school power but they added a 200% credit bonus. Wow. Right. So they would buy like a $1,200, like $1,200 cash for a jet from unlimited, but they would pay 3,600 credit. And
0: they're, they're, so, no, they're known for being really high sell prices too though, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So they, they kind of try to
0: lure you in a little bit with that.
1: Admittedly. yeah. Uh, and then Card Kingdom and Star City also lowered a large number of their buy prices uh, and this came about, you know. I've been watching it, but then I knew someone else was aware of it because there were a couple tweets that went out that said, "Hey, has anybody noticed this?" And some people said they were going to start being more conservative in their buys because of it. Mm-hmm. And then the very next week, Hasbro announced their earnings sucked because Toys R Us wasn't around.
0: Yeah, no um, insider yeah. information there, probably. No. But,
1: uh, I, yeah. <laughs> no, never. Um, so I could. I've, I've seen people that are just, oh, the sky is falling, the game is over, this is the end of magic, blah blah, Hasbro's going to get sold, thanks Alpha Investments for that. Uh, I Personally, I don't think the sky's falling. This game's been around for 25 years, we changed borders, and the game was going to end Damage stopped using the stack, and the game was gonna end. I quit the game when damage stopped using the stack. Hence, the nostalgia for middle school. Right? Came they, back yeah, later. Brought
2: that back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Came back later. It's fine, but it's to me, it's a whole lot of hot air. Uh, it's just old school happened. Everyone gobbled it up because we were in an economic boom in Magic. Yep. And now all of a sudden, you're seeing the other end of that curve where stuff's starting to slow down. You're not going to have. Uh, flying men overnight go from $0.50 cents to $12 from Arabian yeah, Nights.
0: Yeah, we're just in a correction just like the regular market is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know... People a, a got a lot little of,
0: crazy, and now they all realize they got a little crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah and you got to deal with it, so... Yeah. yeah,
2: a lot of people like to use sites like Star City as a market indicator, and one thing that they forget about Star City is that that organization works in two different fronts, they have the web store where they buy and sell through that, and they also have the open series where they buy and sell through that. And prices are generally the same, but they can buy infinite cards of the open series from it, a captive audience versus the website. Yeah. And it, yeah. it almost seems like on the occasion when Star City likes to run teams for the Pro Tours and Grand prix and things like that, they cut their buy lists to try and keep margins high. And yep. if people were to go years back when they got rid of their team for the Pro Tour uh pete hoffling actually made an announcement about that and buy prices corrected back up shortly thereafter another thing that star city likes to do is cut buy lists and then maybe a week or so later announce that they're doing an additional 50 percent credit on top of buy list to make things look the same as they were before when in reality prices have stayed the same because cash value dropped but credit keeps it at the same amount so trying to use them as a market indicator or a barometer isn't the greatest uh option ABU can also be a little difficult, especially when it comes to power. If you keep an eye on their inventory, you'll notice that they just stack really deep graded power and graded duels. So a lot of their buy prices were astounding on these pieces because seemingly they they wanted them to be graded, move at a higher price, and just make a a larger margin. And they might be backstocked or maybe graded power and duels aren't moving, the market has shrunk because everything else is correcting now, or people just have their fill. You can't play a slabbed card.
0: Yeah, old school would have no use for a graded piece of power. So,
1: I mean, if it's a six, maybe you just cut the slab of card and play it. Generally speaking, you don't want to overpay to crack it. Yeah, Yeah. It, it just seemed like when that boom was happening... Card Kingdom and Abu were basically trying to corner that market and get a share that you know was on par with like a damn Bach or something, where they were like, "All right, well, this is ours now." Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, it makes sense for Card Kingdom. They're in Seattle. They're on the West Coast. Abu's in Iowa. Yeah.
0: I, it, it was actually interesting to watch from a, a Cardsphere perspective too, because I was pretty heavy into uh, doing all the churn on Cardsphere and stuff on my own when all this uh, when all this started happening and generally speaking on Cardsphere, because the way it works is you can offer a a percentage of whatever you want to pay on a card off of the index price. Right. And so like when Cardsphere kind of launched, um, it's like 75% of index was actually a a pretty good, um, a pretty good sale and almost generally beat everything you could find. Um, and when this all started happening, it got to where about 85% sometimes wasn't beating Card Kingdom buy lists.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I really checking because what used to be a good offer necessarily wasn't anymore because Card Kingdom and, and Abu started really cranking up their buy lists. And I don't know that it was in response to Card Sphere because I don't know that Card Sphere is enough of a market mover for that yet. But it was interesting to watch the fact that what was a good offer was no longer once these buy lists really started cranking up their prices. And now that's kind of trending back in the other direction again, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just watching that stuff. So it, it definitely fits what you're saying.
2: So, Hasbro earnings?
1: Yeah. I I, uh, all right, look, they even said it in the announcement. Toys R Us closed. Hasbro's toy branch was not equipped to lose its last major retailer. Sure, they sell some on Amazon, but you go to a department store like a Walmart or a Target, they've got like half an aisle of Hasbro toys, mm-hmm. and it's whatever's in style. Whereas you go to Toys R Us when they were open. Rest in peace, Jeffrey. uh, And you had four aisles of just stocked action figures. And that just doesn't happen. So, of course, their earnings are down. They're going to adapt. It's not going to change the way Wizards of the Coast has been run. They're still making money hand over fist on good sets again, I think. And I honestly, I don't think Hasbro sells. I don't think they sell Wizards of the Coast. I don't think this changes that at all. They had a down year, they still turned a profit. Mm-hmm. They're not at risk of like, "Oh man, we're we're way in the red. Let's hemorrhage our most profitable branch." And I I don't think Wizards is going anywhere. I I don't know about you guys. I just don't think it's happening.
2: No, it, it, Wizards is a a popular brand for Hasbro to own and it gets them into a market that they're not necessarily in. Um so it, it helps them diver, diversify their portfolio and the management they put on top of it has kind of righted the ship of Watsi, yeah uh, especially when it comes to the digital properties and cranking out something that's a little more reliable a little more user friendly than uh, Moto in Arena that's Yeah, so much better uh, the other thing is and I don't I didn't look into it I've heard that Toys R Us might be opening back up as a brand. I've heard that.
1: Yeah, so they filed chapter 11 so they're restructuring and someone, you know, basically bought in and said, "Okay, well we're going to reopen some of our stores with a different model." Who knows when that's going to happen?
2: Yeah.
1: Or what it's going to look like. I mean, but I I still think, you know, like you said, Arena is a good good product that they've delivered. Watsi messes everything up on the internet. So far, Arena, besides being super grindy, is fine. Yeah.
0: I
2: yeah.
1: mean...
0: I think, so, just from the perspective of, like I said, I, you know, I'm a noob, and, so I, and, I, and I work with a lot of uh, new players, and Arena got a lot of people really excited about it, especially this next generation, because, uh, I mean, they are all plugged into whatever is online. They're plugged into yeah. whatever is being streamed, they play Fortnite 24-7. I mean, that's what the next generation of players does. So if you want to reach them, you need to have some kind of uh of of streamable, uh, easy to understand, easy to interact with game side of it on on the computer. And you can get people on a paper that way. And a lot of we got a lot of students, tons of freshmen join the high school club this year that also play arena. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the biggest freshman joining we've ever had of uh for the club. And so that was and my little brother's actually one of them, so that was fun too. Nice. So um <clears throat> Nice. But uh, going back to the, the earnings report, one of the interesting things I found was that the the operating profit in the U.S. and Canada was actually up four percent. It was internationally that they they were down fifty percent in profit internationally, wow. and they were up they were up a hundred percent in profit in their entertainment and licensing. So okay. I, I don't know exactly what that means, but as far as the U.S. and Canada goes, um, their their operating profit from quarter to last year was actually uh, was actually up. It was international where they tanked.
1: Super, super hard. Uh, you remember what released this time last year in Magic? Uh,
2: the October Hascon set, right?
1: Yes, and it was pre Kaladesh, so it was what Eldritch Moon Shadows. Yeah. Now we have good sets, and look at yeah. that—they're profitable. Although up. I
2: do love Eldritch Moon, but yeah, well, yeah, we are just getting Exile last yeah. Yeah, this time last year.
0: Yeah, so I played in. I, so, i don't I don't think the earnings are as as awful as are imagined. Um, so
2: no, I don't think so either. Uh, the one thing I did not look at to see what happened was where it was na- What well, announced. I know that the Hasbro CEO was on Jim Cramer's show. right. And uh, <laughs> there's a nice thirty second clip about the forced entry of Magic the Gathering. Into esports from that, yep. not a whole lot of information, but it sounds like shoehorning Arena to be the esports vehicle. They which want it it absolutely to, should be. It should be. They want to take it mobile, which is great. It's got which to compete, it should be Yeah, it's got to compete with Hearthstone, which was built for mobile first. But my question on this is, how do you use Arena to play larger events? You can do it at the Pro Tour, once you get to a certain point with the field, but bringing in 200 plus players to sit them in front of computers for Arena does not seem like the greatest esports experience. We're not talking about uh, League of Legends, we're not talking about Fortnite where you can bring uh, Overwatch two two teams onto a stage and you just have five or six players on each side battle it out in front of an audience and they get to watch what's going on on the big screen in front of them. This is a one-versus-one game yeah Yeah,
1: i and i i will admit uh i am biased because my store hosts esports events i think this is an awful idea i don't think they should do it if you want to turn magic into some type of spectator thing do what wsop did put a camera down at the bottom of the table where the other player plays their hand that is perfect put it back on espn Do something like that with it. Don't try to turn it into eSports. I just don't think the platform can support it. Granted, they're making some good decisions with Arena. I don't think Wizards knows how to network to save their life. If they tried to have Arena host a 200-person event and run the bracket, I think Wizards headquarters would burn to the ground. Don't do eSports with it. I I don't think they should try to force their way into it. Uh, if you're looking talking about streaming, then, I mean, look at Hearthstone streams. Yeah, there's a million of them. You look at the most popular ones and they only have like four to 500 people watching at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to go away from what works. I understand the market's changing. You need to adapt for a younger crowd. I think Arena does a good job of that. You don't need to break it into esports. Uh, you can just stick to Twitch and stream it there. But going, like you said, Overwatch or League of Legends or Smash Brothers, even. Yeah. Just, it's not going to happen. Don't try to force it. It's a bad idea. Just go WSOP. Have someone who understands the statistics of the game, get there, help announce, have nice infographics up where it's not just, you know, oh, here's a life total and a name and an advantage bar at the bottom. Like, I, I just, it boggles my mind. I yeah, guess. the production
0: value of Magic. Current, currently is, is awful.
2: Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter who you are. Everybody's production value is low. Nobody's cracked the code.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. They're all they're all hard to watch. Which yeah. is a shame in the era of, I mean, if you turn on League of Legends now, and you don't know anything about League of Legends, and start, like, I had a buddy over when I was watching Worlds, because Worlds for League of Legends is on right now, and he started watching and he got really into it, and has never played or seen a game of League of Legends in his life. Um, but the the casters for all the memes about them are are generally very knowledgeable what they're saying um they explain every i mean and there's hundreds and hundreds of characters they explain them all yeah. well and i just don't feel like magic gets that at all um if you're not really entrenched in magic you i i sometimes have a hard time watching the streams um and i have reasons to watch them because i do this kind of stuff and so the production value is awful um but it, and with the esports thing, I mean, I think that the going going the way of WSOP is is a good way to do it. Um, I think Arena would have to be tweaked further to be taken to an esport, because uh, like Jason was saying, you it's hard to compete with the action-oriented, fast-paced matches of um, of the esports now. Like, League of Legends is the grindiest um, esport by far. You know, some of the games can go like 50 or 60 minutes. And, and it's still uh, insanely entertaining.
1: Huh? It's still insanely entertaining.
0: Yeah, there's, but there's, yeah, it's in that 50 or 60 minutes, there's basically constant action. And so, uh, I think they would have to tweak Arena further, um, to make it enthralling the entire time just because magic is by nature a lot of passive time. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot going on. It's like watching chess. I mean, there's a lot going on in the player's brain that you just can't extrapolate. You can't explain. Like, you can try to talk about what you maybe think they may be thinking or their opponent may be thinking, but, it's still just going to be people talking about what they think someone might be thinking, and that's not terribly exciting. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's hard to compete with the action-oriented esports. But I do think that that's the way things are moving. And so I do think they need to find a way to get towards that space. I'm just not sure if, if they're there yet, or if there's a different form of magic that can be kind of dumbed down, which I don't know if that's right, because I don't know if you want to dumb it down um, for your player base that wouldn't want it dumbed down. And so... Mm-hmm. I think those are really hard questions to ask, but I do think it's good that they're at least asking them. I mean, it shows that they realize that they're outdated in the way that they do things um, and that they could do them better. And so it's good to explore all the options and all the alternatives to try to try to fix it. So,
2: Yeah. One of the things that Arena has the ability to do that live casting Magic doesn't is having the spectator mode that all these other games do where you have a camera controlled by uh, people in your production room. They can move around the map, easily see what's going on, move from character, char- character to character in these other games and see what items they've p- picked up, how they've skill-treated, or just what they're doing. And even if you go back and you watch the versus Super Leagues that Randy Bueller does, they livecast like we are now, where their spectator is just looking at streams from both players, and if one player goes down for whatever reason on their Skype call, they lose all that information. They only have half a game. If Arena has a programmed in spectator mode, that is a third person that can see both hands, can see what's going on on the board, look at things effectively, bring up card text as they mouse over them. That makes bringing in an audience a lot easier and it makes the game more attractive to look at. It still doesn't help the fact, and this is how I look at Arena. If you can't play Storm and have it make sense in any medium, then it's not ready for magic yet and that's fair spell casting on arena works it's not bad i've yet to see a storm counter because it only has standard and generally speaking if i'm casting multiple spells in a turn i'm playing red and i'm either winning or losing at that point yeah but i don't think it's equipped to handle the expanding uh, monopool that storm uses the resource count that it needs fanning out a graveyard looking at it easily the slider to look back and forth is kind of intuitive, but you you can burn your clock really quickly just looking at your graveyard, and uh, trying to figure out what's going on there. There's something things uh, that... it's also really annoying that
0: the clock keeps running while animations go through. I, find I... That, yes, that really pisses me off when I'm when yeah. I'm running low on time and somebody casts a Carnage Tyrant and I have to watch it roar while my time ticks down.
2: I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah it's really it is. annoying. You, you just said that all you do is play red. Yeah. You know, so you I don't get not the card. Yeah.
1: The timer doesn't matter.
2: No, I, I've <laughs> drafted, so I've seen Niv-Mizzet and Doom Whisperer yeah. and the yeah. Dream Eater thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot in Momir Basic. I've seen a oh, yeah. lot in Momir Basic.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did think that I'm hoping if they decide to do esports, this is what they're going with the MMO that they announced they were making with a studio that did Neverwinter Mm -hmm. that we haven't heard anything about since if there is some kind of WoW style PvP mode in that I guess I could see them taking it into an eSport sounds awful yeah I I don't think it works because you're competing with WoW which has been doing that exact eSport for
2: 15 years
1: yeah for forever, and you're not going to break in on that market. Uh, but that's the only way I could see it maybe making sense. But again, we haven't heard anything about that no. MMO since last year. I think year.
0: that thing's DOA. I mean,
1: I, yeah.
2: For people that wanted to look it up, though, this is from around the same timeline that they announced the movie, correct? Where they were yes. going to take the Planeswalker characters. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I kind of want to say that that turned into the recent D and D campaigns that cross over into Ravnica. Yeah, That's kind of what the movie felt like it became, was this crossover. But I totally forgot about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, with uh, Cryptic Studios. the uh... Oh. Well, it means yeah. everwinter man. Right? The yeah, Red that game's man. great. Yeah. Uh, they are, according to Cryptic Studios' webpage, still hiring for software engineers low, mid, and senior... Uh, level designers, art directors, literally everything. So,
0: yeah. Oh, good. So they have no one working on it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, there's that. That's where it is. (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, So, you want to move on to results from this weekend? Yes. All right. So, GP Lealf has finished up. I don't know who won that. Uh, I believe New Jersey is done, and the last I knew, it was an all-amulet finals at Star City. Yeah. Yes. So, do we know who won Lille? Uh,
1: I'm checking now. I know Jersey had... The two two top eights, first off, were insane. uh, Because they were so very different. One to the other. Which, I mean, granted, that usually happens with the European and American metagame.
2: Yes. uh,
1: But this was significantly more so than usual.
2: Yes, I feel like uh, um, there was. There are two common threads between the two, I believe. And after that, so there is Jeskai kind of control in both. Yes. Uh, the the builds of which are going to take a little while to figure out, but in New Jersey and in Leal, in the top eight, there was one each. Is it Phoenix deck?
1: Yes. He's
2: on that hype train.
1: Might... I, I think you missed the boat. Yeah.
2: well, <laughs> getting on now is a bad idea. But if you're on it, you...
1: yeah,
2: you might want to get off, or you might want to hold on. I don't know. You definitely don't want to
0: get on now.
1: No, no, definitely seems... not. Yeah. Uh, okay. I know. Lilo People are starting
0: top. to play with Phoenix in Modern too. So yeah. it being a Mythic, being played in Standard, and potentially being
1: toyed with in Modern could be a mono red one. Leal.
2: Wow.
1: So he beat Nassif on that Experimental Frenzy
2: brew. Wait, wait, wait. And uh, Nassif, So Nassif on Mono Blue.
1: Mono Blue Tempo. All
2: right, I, I have the Leal Top That's what I run in Arena.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cassis won with Jeskai Control over Brad Nelson on Boros Angels.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, which, by the way... Brad Nelson, four to Cotley Honor Guard in the main, which you will remember was my pick last First week.
2: week
1: yeah. um, another interesting thing about the American top eight, no Golgari. Yes. And Leal had, I believe, two in the um, top eight.
2: At least. I've got the results yeah. up now. They're, they're going to show up in the in the video. Okay. I'm looking at Leal. <clears throat> yeah, um,
0: it, had two, it had two Golgaris. Um, I think two Just Guy Controls. Uh, yes. And is it mono blue tempo slash tokens Token. and mono red aggro? So yeah. Selesnia
2: tokens was in both. I'm sure the builds differ. New Jersey also had Boros Angels
1: and uh, so three red Jeskai.
2: In... Well, yep. it also has Boros Nelson.
1: So yeah.
2: Boros Mentor. Yeah. And selesnia Angels. Of so... which, there were no green angels.
1: Yeah. And it actually has Shalai, Resplendent, Lyra. Yes. Those are its angels.
2: The only right. green creature in the deck, in the main, is... Thorn. Thorn Lieutenant. Yep. On the sideboard, Night of Autumn, and Shoot triad And Carnity. Okay.
1: Yeah. Car- Carnity, t- I feel like you have to have at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: that card is very annoying for people that play Mono Blue Tempo on Arena.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think, you know, whereas a while ago it had been around 15 to 20 bucks, I think that's going to shoot back up to the 25 30 range now. Um, mm-hmm. Even just being a sideboard card, although if you look at the Leal deck lists, there's quite a few of the Golgari decks running at main now. Uh, something yep. I.
2: All the Golgari is, decks
1: ran at main. Yeah, I. you almost have to at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. It is a two of and a three of.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I I think, you know, financially wise, what we're looking at implications for me, obviously, you've already missed the uh, Arclight Phoenix train that started two days ago. Uh, I think, especially at least in the American meta, seeing how many history of banalias were there because that card's been trending down lately. Yes. And I think we may start to see it tick back up a little bit, because you had it as a three or four of in multiple lists, uh, including, I believe... No, I thought uh, one of the Jess guys may have had it main, but it did not. Uh, but I, I think that is a card that very realistically could see a surge in value again. Okay. Um not not my pick by any means. That's just one of the implications I see.
2: Okay. Uh, I, one of the cards that I was going to choose for my pick this week, but I didn't, was going to be Lyra, and I didn't get a chance to take a look at her price history, but she hasn't been doing a lot in standard, was just by control all over the top eight, and at least one yeah. Lyra in each of those lists, plus Lyra in both the Angels list in New Jersey, alongside of history of Banaya. In some of them. As of October stayed...
1: 9th, it was $14 average. Yep. It's now $24. For? Average, for lira.
2: For lira? Yeah.
1: On stocks, yeah.
2: And she went up quick.
0: Another yeah. one that found its way is a four of, and every single Just Guy control deck was Deafening Clarion.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was one of those list cards that when it was spoiled, and all of a sudden... You know, when the first leagues got posted, you saw Selesnia tokens everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, how? Deafening Clarion exists. That card is so good, even against the mid range strategies. Yep. Um, I mean, that, who knows? We may see that go up too. Yeah, uh, it was,
0: every deck that saw it, it was a four of. Yeah. And main board four of.
1: Yep. Um, surprising to me was the lack of. Uh, Eldest Reborn in the main for any of the Golgari lists. It did not exist in the mains. Uh, it's a card that, I mean, I've been on Golgari. I think that card is insane in the format.
0: That's weird. And I have not liked it very much when I've been playing with it or against it.
1: Fair. Uh, it I just, just feels I, like
0: five mana, the turn it comes down, it just doesn't do quite enough.
1: Mm-hmm. But Yeah, it's basically suspend to, you know, Re-animate. reanimate a walker. Right. Um, but, you know, gr- granted the meta, like looking at the other top eights, that's too slow. Yeah. I The Jeskai decks have started adapting by running things like Crackling Drake and stuff like that that just... You sack that instead of your walker and it doesn't matter anymore. So, uh, Experimental Frenzy is... That mono-red aggro deck feels like a trap to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I think that's going to be one of those things that people are going to see and be like, man, I can build Mono Red. It's fairly cheap. Like, your money cards or Experimental Frenzy and Steamkin. And I guess the rekindling phoenix. Yep. But, like, by and large, it's kind of a budget list. I think it's a trap. I don't think it's real. Sure, it beat Nasif, but I think it was very much a meta call. Uh, I'm not sure how it survives in a Jeskai meta.
2: So over the last couple of days while well, I've been playing a deck that's got to be within six to eight cards of this main the only deck I haven't beaten was the It control deck that got kind of morphed off of. It was very heavy on uh, creature counter and yeah. a little lighter on spell counter and that is basically what took my legs out from underneath me. I had a 3 Experimental Frenzy in the main and 4 of the new Book Burning.
1: Oh yeah, Risk. That card is insane. Yeah, Risk Factor? Risk
2: Factor, yeah. So that basically replaced my Rekindling Phoenixes and Chain Whirlers from this list. Mm. And I think I dropped down on a Wizard's Lightning to play... Uh, what's his name? Legion Warboss X2 in the main just trying oh, yeah. on the board by turn three and make my experimental frenzies a little more devastating by bringing a large board presence to the game and yeah. I would get crushed playing against Jeskai with Def- with Deafening Clarion or even Cleansing Nova out of the board if they were playing Revitalize in the main like somewhere a week ago I wouldn't yeah. be able to keep up
1: yes yeah, I... and I may be wrong You've obviously had good results with it. I just look at it on paper and I'm like, I don't I don't see how.
2: You're, you're faster to the board and most most of your stuff has can or does have haste aside from the rekindling Phoenix. And if I had to guess if if uh, Bussin or Busin hit multiple chain whirlers in a row, mm-hmm. or let's say every other turn for three turns running, he was probably able to take game one pretty easily. After yeah. the after sideboarding, I'm pretty sure he's going to bring in Fiery Cannonade. Oh, and yeah. Most likely fight with fire.
1: And he brought in treasure maps, too.
2: Yeah, because he wanted to play a longer game. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Do you have one pirate?
1: Yeah, you have one
2: pirate. Yeah, okay. have one pirate. Yeah. Everything else gets wrecked. Yeah, well, your chain whaler lives just based on virtue, and so does your phoenix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, his sideboard most likely is what won him games two and or three.
1: Yeah, he the sideboard the games where he had treasure map, especially like in the semis. Mm-hmm. It that card is that card was insane for him the whole weekend. It yeah. was just really good.
2: There's not a lot to do once you have four or five mana without experimental frenzy on the board. That's the thing I found. Yeah. Basically, this deck, and having experimental frenzy on board with five mana can sometimes allow you to play three spells in a given turn, and that's just too much for a lot of decks to handle. Yeah. I don't even know if Jeskai has a way to get it off the board once it's landed.
1: Uh, Not main usually. Uh, You know they're they've got like seal away. Okay. No, that's creatures only. Yeah, so it's got to be like. Um, invoke the divine or Exelon's uh, okay. binding. Yeah, but those are basically your only ones. Yep.
2: All
1: right. Once it's there, it's there. It's not going anywhere.
2: So with these in, uh, and on our way out, off the air, what are you guys looking at for picks for this week?
1: Uh, Cody said, "What was it? The checklands for you were a good one."
0: Uh, yeah. So I'm just. I'm going to kind of continue my theme here, and I just i am kind of going to go based off demand of what I see, just because I do a lot of the selling, um, and something that everybody's hunting right now, and nobody seems to be selling, is the Dominaria Checklands. Um, those are those are uh, really, really hot right now. Um that's brutality. on What's that?
1: That's on Cardsphere. Yeah, super yeah, hot. lots of people yeah.
0: offering 90-plus, up to 100%, nobody's sending them. Um, um, yeah, which is pretty surprising. Um, for a two, three, four, five dollar card. Yeah. Collected Brutality is up there and then Chandra T O D um, is up there. Um, those are a lot of those have multiple offers for ninety percent plus um, that no one is sending, which means people value them uh higher than that. Yeah. And so th- those prices are beating buy lists, they're beating what people are selling, you know, selling them for. So for whatever reason people don't want to send them at those prices and I guess it's because they think that uh, they're going to go higher. So that's just kind of my my perspective from the demand side.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, and this is this is a super long term one. Bear with me. We're talking like a year. Uh, I am known as saying that casuals drive the financial market. It's very true. EDH is a thing. Sarkins unsealing. That card.
0: I like that card. Yeah. Is
1: not good. But it is the exact kind of EDH card that yeah, it's seventy-five cents, fifty cents, whatever. In a year, I could easily see it being five, six, ten dollars. Even it's also really fun. Yeah, the card it's it's fun. It makes you examine the game in a different way, which is one of those things that, like, as I'm sure you've experienced, Cody, with the club. Yep, kids love that stuff. Yep, like it's. It's fun, it's weird, it's random. I hate all of that. I think it's awful, but, I mean, I, I, it's my You pick. and your tutors I
0: mean, I, and your perfect lines doing the same yeah. thing over and over again. Uh,
1: I'm up to like 200 of this card right now, and I'm still continually picking them up when I can get eight or more at a time. I get it as a throw-in on as many trades as possible. I think, you know, you spend 100 bucks on them and a year, you double your money.
2: Yeah.
1: Fine. And worst case, you double your money. Yeah. So, I, oh. I think... Yeah, that's mine for this week.
2: Yeah. That's fine. I, I have a box of standard bulk rares that I dip into every now and again when something moves from bulk to playable. And I've got a few of those in there from when I opened my judge boxes. And they're staying yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, my pick for this week uh, was based on just uh, murmurs from the end of this week because I hadn't had a chance to actually watch any uh, stuff from Leal. i just read Gabe Deceives article and heard a bunch of what people were talking about online. And my first thought was uh, Tefri because there wasn't a great Tefri deck right now in the format, but we get Hollowed Fountain next set, which turns Tefri on. So I'm going to go level 0 here and say Hollowed Fountain. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's the, the RTR pickup, not, not the uh the, the RTR one is dirt cheap right now, yeah. That is why. Not yeah. a lot of people remember that it's the most printed Shockland because it was in one of those standard sets. It oh, was...
1: one of those like decks or whatever? Yeah.
2: Yeah, like where the uh, Winswept uh... Teeth was printed when that when Cons came out. Yeah. Holler Fountain was one of those. So the buy price on them was really shabby for a very long time. And even now with Blue-White Control making top four of Star City, they generally sell for about eight on the top end. And compared to Overgrown Tomb from Guilds of New Rav, that's basically kind of capped out on where we are for Shocklands. But Hollowed Fountain opens up a better mana base for Jeskai Control and it opens up a mana base for esper. Blue White. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. get uh Naya in the next set as Oh no, sorry, Bant. Yeah. In the next set where, that where it contributes. So my my And pick we get is, Azorius
0: in the next set as well, right? Yep,
2: yeah, that's yeah. why
1: Oh man. Yeah, there's $7 on TCG yep. low and there's like 4 or 5 9 all around that price.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I've gotten a bunch on Cardsphere for 5 dollars $5.
2: Yeah. So I this and a uh, traditionally at this, at, For whatever reason in modern, Hollowed Fountain is one of the least expensive Shocklands. Last year when I was selling out of my extras, nobody wanted to pay more than 3 or $4 a pop for it when I was able to sell Stomping Grounds and Blood Crips for 8s. Yep. So this might be the time now where we actually see, while it'll be an influx of supply, we should see a big uptick in demand as we have a large number of standard players and just in the game right now
1: yeah and when standard's good people play yep
2: yeah i and, like that one good pick yeah the barrier to entry for modern blue white control if you're playing standard is just jace and he's kind of comparable in price to Teferi. so yeah be. now this is something that i expect to pick up from now through christmas when people are looking to get out of some cards and hold For a couple of weeks after, uh, what's the next set?
1: RTRTR two.
2: It's not legions, I think. Yeah, I thought it was (laughs) legions or something. I would expect to hold for maybe a month after that, at max, and that's when I think I. If you're going to buy in now, you could probably start dumping, for profit, most likely to other players. Just in terms of trade, buy list might take a little longer. Like you might have to wait for whenever the first PT of 2019 is because we're going to have six and I don't yeah. remember the schedule.
1: Uh, Columbus, I think, in January or February is the first one.
2: So then there you go. That might be what pops it if it's like right after... Jason's, and Jason's coming to see me in Dallas. Nice.
0: Yeah,
1: that's right.
2: <laughs> oh, boy.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine mine would be obviously if I was unloading, it would be by list. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to move 300 plus Sarkins on ceilings to anyone. <laughs> Probably when it pops, oh,
2: yeah, that's uh, just burn. because
1: I, I don't want to spend the time yeah. to, like, list it and get it there, you know?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm going to wind up doing with my sunbirds invocations and my expansion <laughs> explosions. Just whoever's buying ten at a time, just let them go slowly. Yeah. But at, at seven apiece, I don't expect anybody to buy hundreds of hollowed fountains, so there should be just an easy an easy out.
1: Yeah, it's also the thing that, like, that demand, modern being the format it is, and having a good standard, that's, of the six picks we've done total, I think that is the easiest one to unload, period. Yeah,
0: the selling on that one's easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But with that, I think we are done with episode two. We are, it's in the books. Yeah, we should, we are on Apple iTunes right now, we're working on Stitcher. The video will be up on our YouTube channel. We have a Twitter account set up on Facebook under the same name, MTG Cabalcast. Yep. And if you want to contact us directly, you can find me on Twitter at HALTIMREPTAR, Reptar, underscores instead of spaces. Cody, you are.
0: Yeah, I'm the one that's underneath my name there.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I am at Thirsty Sizzler on Twitter now. I. Had one, I forgot it. Yeah, thir- Thirsty Sizzler, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, find me there. And that uh, that wraps it up then.
2: Yep, and if you have That's any right. questions for us, you know, feel free to send us a shout, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yep. Right. See you.
1: See you.